All righty. Zach Miller here, Tearsheets Editor-in-Chief. Joining me is Sunil Sachdev, Head of FinTech and Growth at Fiserv. And this is a LinkedIn Live. We just started doing these recently. Um, this is sort of a live version of our podcast. We're bringing some of the smartest people that we speak to here online uh, so that you can. And, and I think not only are we bringing it online, I think the idea is that we want to talk about things that are more um, in the zeitgeist today, like more in path. I think a lot of our podcasts or stuff, you can listen to a, a founder, you know, three years ago and still find value in it. I invited Sunil because I wanted to talk about uh, what partnerships, the nature of partnerships are today. Um, before we do, just a little housekeeping. Um, on May 31st and June 1st, Tearsheet's hosting our banking and payments conference in New York City. To register, please go to that events.tearsheet.co. Uh, URL there. Um, that's really all I have. We are recording this as well, and it will go out as a, a podcast and be posted onto our website. So you also can ask questions if you have questions and, and Sunil is open to, to answering them, addressing them live. Uh, we're happy to do that as well. Sunil, welcome to the show. Hey, Zach. Good to see you again, man. Good it's always good to, good to talk to you, buddy. So so let's start um, by talking. You're head of fintech and growth. What, what does that mean? What are your responsibilities inside Fiserv? Sure. Thanks, Zach. Um, so I work horizontally across Fiserv, across our banking unit, our merchant unit, and our issuance unit to take products and services that we've historically sold to financial institutions or merchants or corporations and reconfigure the Lego blocks in a way that will expand our addressable market, right? We've heard a lot about and seen a lot about embedded finance and how that momentum continues to increase in the market, regardless of new cycles and where the economy is going. We're just seeing a, a growth in that area that's unprecedented. And uh, there's an opportunity to take capabilities that we have and relationships that we have in the ecosystem between banks and merchants and extend that to user experiences, making it much easier for people uh, to perform different types of financial transactions through the user experience they enjoy. Is this a newish role for, for Fiserv and for you? It's been around, like the team's been around about 18 months right now, and we've spent a lot of time working with fintechs initially, helping them set up neobanks, helping them kind of tailor services for specific socio-demographic segments of the population. And over the last, I would say, six to 12 months, we've really picked up in terms of engaging the merchant community uh, and also, uh, you know, ISVs and Payfax. These are technology companies that cater to large swaths of small businesses in different industries. Um, and we've worked with them to also increase their capability to bring banking and acquiring together. So uh, it continues to evolve, Zach, from kind of the time we've started to going through kind of new cycles, going through funding uh, cycles up and down in different industries. But, um, you know, it continues to expand and, and it's it's quite exciting. Awesome. Uh, and I appreciate that introduction. And 18 months now, man, wow, it's been a roller coaster. So I, I would love to talk about um, basically what I my question, uh, which is partnership in a time of turmoil. Like um, there's a lot of unknown out there. Um, funding environments are different. Um, clearly, fintech and 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 the role that Fiserv has, has chiseled out within the industry isn't going anywhere. It's growing organically like but but what what? Can, if you can give us some color on what the nature of partnerships are today, like some of the some maybe some of the forces that weren't there a few months ago, or what what you're seeing really? 
Yeah, look, I think, you know, when we first created the group, there was um, a lot of opportunity, at least we felt, in kind of the neobank space, uh, modern issuance space, and where we were taking capabilities and, uh, you know, kind of trying to position ourselves next to some of these vast platforms that existed in the market, right? And then over the that period, what we started to learn was that the commercial models uh, behind some of the initial forays for fintech uh, into, into banking would not scale pretty well, right? And then what we, what we saw was that there was a, a deep desire within existing uh, commercial entities, mostly merchants, enterprise merchants that have digital platforms of their own that acquire transactions from an omni-channel perspective, looking to embed different types of financial services. It started with, you know, kind of buy now, pay later. They've always had a private label credit card scenario. Think about decoupled debit with Target. And what we're seeing now is kind of this movement to engage uh, you know, their customers in a much more meaningful and comprehensive way. So they want to be able to tailor financial services beyond those kind of cookie cutter capabilities to ensure that they are embedded within uh, whatever cash flow their retail customer or small business customer uh, is living from a day-to-day -day perspective. So we're really seeing kind of the, the partnership angle kind of move horizontally across the spectrum from kind of standalone fintechs looking to launch a neobank now moving into kind of platforms that already have existing customers, whether they're retail or small business, and wanting to add capability to kind of move into a greater wallet, wallet share scenario. Does that make sense? It does. And and I guess given what you're saying, you know, like, is, is that a is that a long-term trend? Is that, it feels to me like that is the long-term trend and the market may be accelerating that, but um, this isn't just something, do you feel, uh, that, the, that the turmoil is producing? Yeah, no, I think the turmoil has come in and, and uh, it's impacted kind of funding cycles for certain fintechs and it's, it's impacted business and commercial models. But I really do see this, Zach, as a kind of a maturity curve. Right. I think where we started a couple of years ago from a fintech perspective with point solutions and now really focusing on platforms that basically cater to a much more comprehensive set of use cases. And they already have existing customers. Right. And then being able to embed that, I think, seems to make a lot more sense, both commercially and from a go to market perspective. So, so given my perspective where I've been working in the market, um, you know, I've been we at Tearsheet have been championing this idea that, wow, you know, embedded finance really brings this opportunity for brands to move into the space, non-financial brands particularly. Um, has that happened yet or how far along sort of the adoption curve do you think we are in terms of pure non-financial brands coming into the space and offering, you know, really interesting products? Yeah, look, I, th I think it's happening. The, the hero uh, brand for us has always been Walmart, right? Yeah. And work that they've done historically. They've had, you know, a desire to bring financial services uh, to their customers, either through the store or through their e-commerce platform for, for a decade or more now, right? And now they've done, you know, over the last couple of years, made bigger investments into one financial and other products and services. We're starting to see other large uh, enterprise merchants think through that same kind of calculus. We're also seeing it in the marketplace and platform 
area where you have large, uh, you know, uh, merchant platforms thinking about how they could help their customers, uh, both in the U.S. and globally with money movement, data and everything else that accompanies that. So I really do feel uh, that we are now in a in kind of a growth mode in that in that stage of the market. Uh, and a lot of these merchants and, and enterprise customers are coming to us asking about how we can embed different types of wallet services to kind of enhance the experience of their customers, whether that customer is in the store or, or connecting to them online. Interesting. Um, and how are you as an organization at Fiserv, how are you being stretched, challenged, or asked to partner differently, I guess, in, in this market? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Zach. I think, you know, for us, historically, we've gone to market. The FI division has gone to financial institutions and kind of catered to their needs. The merchant division has gone to the merchant population, both SMB through our Clover product and then the enterprise through Carrot. Uh, and then we've got the issuing uh, uh, area as well that's done really well in the PLCC, private label credit card market, as well as uh, a whole host of other BNPL and credit offerings. Um, but now what we're doing is building microservice platforms that kind of stretch across all three areas. And we're trying to work so the enterprise merchant population or the ISV or the PayFAC or even the FinTech has a single front door to then enjoy services from across the enterprise, right? So that is stretching us a bit, right? As you can appreciate, working horizontally, integrating systems that historically haven't been integrated, but uh, the juice is definitely worth the squeeze. At least that's what we're seeing. And there is an opportunity here to, to really differentiate uh, what we can bring uh, to the marketplace versus some of our competitors, right? Because we have kind of the, the variety of capabilities across those divisions that few have. Uh, so we're very excited internally. We couldn't work fast enough. We've got lots of great conversations happening within our uh, captive customers. That's the other piece, Zach. We're not really throwing a net out and going into a blue ocean strategy and trying to bring in new customers into the franchise. This is the ability to just go deeper with the customers we already have. Any um, uh, non-financial institution needs to partner with a financial institution mm -hmm. to offer embedded financial services, right? So having that luxury of having you know, some of the, uh, um, uh, the biggest footprint of financial institutions in the country on our core banking system and marrying that with the largest footprint of merchants that we have in the country as the number one merchant processor. We're in a privileged position. So we're hopeful that this cross-pollination uh, really is going to take off. Awesome. So I want to zoom out a little bit. Um... And I appreciate the way you, you just described sort of like this not being a blue ocean opportunity. You, you actually have an incredible footprint to be able to go deeper with. Can we talk about banks? I guess that that division, that group, um, what are you seeing from your clients there that um, I guess that is perpetuated by some of the dynamics in the market? Yeah, no, um, you know, we are we have been monitoring the situation um, with regards to the banking turmoil over the, the last couple of months. And I think um, for us, you know, we feel pretty good about the state of play within uh, 
financial services and in that financial institution segment, just looking at the most recent call report data that came out in Q1, while some of the regional banks have had trouble holding on to deposits, the long tail of community institutions still looks pretty good. And obviously the top four or five have been- I was going to say the fat head too. Yeah. yeah, Have benefited from from, uh, deposits as well um, in the short term, right? Um, longer term, I think everybody is seeing deposit leakage just because of where the interest rate environment is today. Um, we, I went to bankrate.com over the weekend and I saw more 4% plus saving accounts than I did just a month ago. Right. Uh, Marcus, Marcus just raised theirs to 4.15 last week. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, CDs, Jack, uh, Zach, I saw a sixth and 12 month CD at over five. Wow. Right. So, you know, as these deposit rates inch, inch up, what that does is basically increase uh, cost of funds and cost of deposits for institutions. Yeah. And now they've got to figure out how they're going to make up for that. Right. Um, And it eats into some of the marginal uh, incremental yield they have been making over the last couple of quarters. But that's not going to last too long. So and there is also, you know, lots of discussion around commercial real estate and what's happening there. So the banks, uh, 70 percent, I think the it was the journal of the Barons reported this morning that 70 percent of commercial real estate loans are with community banks with asset sizes less than 100 billion. So obviously there's a there's a dependency on where in the geography you are and what that local real estate market is doing, but I think people are still looking at that and seeing how is this going to play out. So from a bank perspective the way I would summarize it is I think we're through the worst of it with regards to kind of uh, uh, banks failing, right? But there's still a lot of concern and monitoring that's happening to ensure those balance sheets stay healthy in light of where we are in an interest rate environment. And I think everybody's kind of expecting interest rates to come down by the end of the year. But there is, again, you know, more than half the population thinking like or half the experts thinking that it won't. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is going to be an interesting next couple of months. And what's happening overall with um, bank migration to the cloud, to the new digital cores? Like, what are you seeing there? We're seeing an acceleration. I think a lot of the Yeah, we're still seeing a lot of investment happening uh, into um, uh, cloud tech by our financial institutions. There's a continued desire to modernize. I think, you know, just related, it may be a bit anecdotal, Zach, but the last couple of weeks, two, three weeks, I've had probably four conversations with financial institutions that are dusting off launching digital banks Hmm. outside of their MSA because, again, they're looking for deposits, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the key things- Are they doing those under their core brand or sidecar brands? different brands because they, they don't want to cannibalize their existing right. kind of set of That's customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the interesting thing is the number one thing they're all asking for is the fastest account opening software that's out there. Right. Um, so I think there is going to be um, kind of this um, kind of replay on launch of digital banks over the next couple of months, even though they know it's just for hot money, they just need the deposits uh, to keep uh, to keep the lights on, so to speak, and, and be able to continue the lending that they see in a lot of these markets. So 
I feel like there's there's a lot happening in that area. And to be honest, over the last 10 or 15 years, a lot of the bankers are now dealing with a more normalized interest rate environment. Yeah. And uh, that's new for a generation of bankers. Right, Zach? So I think people now need to figure out what do I, what am I going to do? And interestingly enough, the last thing I'll say here is we have a couple of fintechs uh, that cater to kind of. Uh, specific segments of the population, whether it's underbanked, unbanked, or, or minority segments, um, that are seeing some momentum as well, because now backs, uh, banks are appreciating kind of, hey, what do I need to pay for new customers? What do I need to pay to get in deposits? So from a fintech perspective, there's going to be you know a select set of fintechs that actually you know probably will get a tailwind out of this. Mm. Interesting. And, and one of the things we started to hear, Sunil, I would say around um, 12 to 18 months ago, like we, we talk a lot about embedded finance, which is, you know, bringing tools um, out, you know, to brands that not, aren't necessarily financial. But um, we've heard of we use the term called embedded fintech, which is bringing those fintech um, tools into banks, into bank ecosystems. Um, I have to imagine that, you know, if banking is becoming more and more competitive, that ecosystem building would be something interesting to banks. Are, are you seeing that from your end? Yeah, we are. And, and we're actually putting a lot of investment into embedded fintech. Um, we launched uh, probably, you know, maybe six months ago, uh, what we call our developer studio, right? And our developer studio is all about taking our core banking system, Zach, and putting him into a self-service portal, right? Um just uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, we put Premier, uh, which is the most popular core banking system in the country, you know, by customers. Right. So we've got over 800 plus financial institutions, all asset sizes covered with Premier on Developer Studio in a free sandbox environment. So now any fintech that wants to come in and work with one or one of our banks that is running Premier can build um, a demo of their product, a live demo off of that public sandbox and engage with that financial institution to show them that experience end to end. They don't have to worry about Figma prototypes. They don't have to worry about Slideware anymore. They could actually connect to those APIs and be able to uh, really drive uh, kind of the experience home with those institutions. We know we've, I've talked to you about now five different financial institutions that are on Premier, and they've told me about fintechs that have connected to that sandbox and then showed them that experience. And that has resulted in, in those fintechs actually um, you know, moving through that commercial sales cycle with that bank a lot faster, just because it's, you know, they could see it, they could touch it, they could feel it. Um, so we're quite excited about that. It really uh, opens up our ecosystem uh, and it allows these fintechs and financial institutions to kind of uh, get to the point of building better experiences without Pfizer being in the middle. Got it. Um, I see we're, you know, again, near the end of our conversation. We have time for one more question. Um, I'm curious where we go from here, you know, both as an industry. I'm curious to hear what Pfizer is focused on. Where do we go from here, Sunil? Yeah, look, I think, Zach, it's a little bit of what we talked about already, right? I think from the from a banking perspective, based on where uh, deposit betas are, where cost of deposits are going, there's going to be an opportunity for fintechs to kind of fill the gap. I think banks are going to be very open now 
for fintech collaborations than they were just even six months ago, anything that can help on the deposit side of the house. In terms of embedded finance, I think you're going to continue to see large platforms and enterprise merchants that have existing uh, segments of, of uh, customers, whether it's retail or SMB, uh, incorporate financial services more and more to engage that customer and grow wallet share. I see on the embedded fintech side, the ecosystem continuing to open up, right? So from that perspective, I think we're working all three angles uh, to make sure that our customers and our prospects and our, our clients have everything that they need to be successful. Awesome. Sunil, it's always great to, uh, to talk to you. It always feels like you, you provide a very concise lens into like a lot of different things that are going on and, and make it really easy to understand. So appreciate catching up with you and thanks for joining us on, on this. Yeah, uh, always a pleasure, Zach. And, and look forward to seeing you at the conference soon. Glad you'll be joining us. Um, as I sign off, May 31st, June 1st, we have a couple tickets left. Um, Chair Sheet's hosting its banking and payments conference. Our banking conference is called The Big Bank Theory, and our payments conference is The Power of Payments. We're doing them back to back, May 31st, June 1st, in New York City. Uh, you have a link there and uh, you can register. Thanks, Sunil. Have a good one. See you, man. All the best.